0: You are listening to the Seabreeze Church podcast. Well, hey guys, good morning. I am Lance, and as Bevan said, I'm the executive pastor here. I'm really excited to be uh, speaking with you guys this morning. Uh, we are in a message series called Friendship One Hundred and One, uh, and we're discussing uh, four key attitudes to, be, to, to build real and lasting friends. Uh, now, a study was done back in 2021 by the American Survey Center. And it revealed that friendship is generally in decline in our country. They they concluded that the number of close friends that Americans have just has been in decline over the past several decades. And they didn't count relatives in in this, they counted just close friends. Uh, So we can see up here in the the graph, uh, for those who have had, or who have three or fewer close friends, back in 1990, there were about 27, percent of the population in that category. Uh, in 2021, 49% say that they have three or fewer close friends. That means about half of the US population have very few close friends. Now, One of the kind of interesting stats up there, too, is uh, the, the people that had 10 or more close friends. That was 33% back in 1990, and it's much less uh, in 2021. Now, why, why is this the case? You know, there are plenty of people around. The population isn't dropping. There's lots of people. So why the lack of close friends? Uh, Well, a few reasons are proposed in this study. They include things like isolation during the pandemic, uh, people getting married later in life, parents being more of a financial and emotional support for their children, particularly for young men. That that was an interesting thing that they they brought up. Uh, Also, politics causing breaks in relationships. Now, I think we can intuitively think of uh, some others, like the rise of technology and social media platforms, the increase of alternative reality offerings, such as video games, uh, the increase of working from home being an option. All of, all of these things that keep people uh, away from other people, in their homes, and not in places where real friendships can be built. Now, these are all fine reasons for the decline in friendships, uh, but I think they point to a root issue. I think we have simply lost our ability to know how to develop close friendships and how to keep them. You know, friendships, they don't just drop into our lap. Now, maybe when you were in kindergarten, you know, if a kid had the same bike as you, you guys were instant best friends or something like that. Uh, but even that, that's, that's an initiation of a friendship. To remain friends, that takes a lot of work. You know, friends, they're developed over hundreds, even thousands of interactions. And if over time those interactions are generally positive, a, a true friendship, a real friendship can be, can be developed. Now, the theme verse for this series is Proverbs 12, 26, and it says this, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So according to this verse, uh, those who are considered to be wise, uh, their, their friendships they aren't a result of random chance. They're, they're intentional. They're a choice. And that choice is one that should be thoughtful. It says the righteous those who take God seriously, they choose their friends carefully. So in this message series, we're looking at uh, four attitudes, four approaches to building healthy friendships. Last week, uh, we looked at the importance of serving one another. And that attitude was putting the goals and interests of others above my own. And this week, uh, we are looking at speaking truth to one another. So today's attitude is live an honest and open life. So being truthful builds real friendships. Now that sounds easy, but you know, our hearts, they naturally tug towards being untruthful, towards lying, towards putting on a facade as we relate to others. Now, when I was in elementary school, I remember a lie that I told my parents. Uh, it was honestly the dumbest lie. I, I was uh, in, in my bedroom. I had a desk and a chair, and the chair it had it was it had kind of a white leather upholstered seat to it. I decided to write my name on that chair in pen. Now my parents noticed it, and they asked me, "You know, Lance, did you write your name on the chair?" To which I said, "No, I I don't know who wrote that." So of course that that didn't fly. <laughs> they didn't they didn't believe me. Uh, So they asked me a few different ways. So you're saying that the chair that's in your room, that has your name on it, in pen, that in what looks like you're writing, that wasn't you? Nope, I have have no idea who who did that, that's correct. Now of course they saw right through that, they didn't believe me, and they were right to not believe me. Uh, I got in a good amount of trouble uh, as a result of that. Uh, Actually, funny side note, I actually still own that chair. It was reupholstered to be black, so now pen doesn't, you, you can't see uh, as, as easy on there. Uh, it's a great reminder to me of just how absurd my sinful heart can be sometimes. Now, why did I do that? I legitimately thought that if I lied about writing on the chair, I could avoid the consequences of what I had done. You know, I, I didn't want to get in trouble because uh, I knew what I had done was not a good thing. As a result, though, I got in more trouble. Not only did I get in trouble for writing on the chair, but I got in trouble for lying about it. And at a deeper level, I broke trust with my parents. Because I lied, they couldn't be sure that the next time the words coming out of my mouth would would be truthful. And the Bible speaks to this. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul, he was a, a key leader in the early church. He describes the process that we go through after we choose to follow Jesus. He describes it as a process of uh, getting rid of our old way of life, of putting off our former way of life, and putting on a new way of life. It's kind of like taking off a set of clothes and putting on a new set of clothes. So as Paul writes about things to put off and put on, he speaks specifically to lying and truth-telling. Ephesians 4.25, he says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So this verse, it describes two sides to the honesty coin, uh, putting off falsehood and speaking truthfully. So before we dive into those two sides, though, I want you to notice the why that Paul says. Why are we open and honest? He says, for we are all members of one body. So Paul, he was in Ephesians writing to a church in Ephesus, and thus he's writing to people who have chosen to follow Jesus. Uh, The church community is often referred to as the body of Christ. And a body, it's a very complex system with many different parts playing uh, different roles so that the whole body can function. If one body part is out of line, then all the rest are affected. So the reason, to be honest, is because we are part of a bigger whole. If we are deceitful, we don't just impact ourselves, we impact others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 18, uh, Paul, he also says this, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And he goes on in verse 26 and 27. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So you are not an autonomous person who can manage life on your own. You are a body part that needs other body parts. That's how God has created us. We were designed by God for a purpose, and that purpose, that's not separate from people, but in community with people, specifically in the community of the local church. And this is not just a good thing to do, sort of a best practice. Uh, This is actually an essential part of your own personal health. We need each other. So to be in healthy community, we have to be open and honest with each other. That's the why behind why we do this. Now, as I mentioned, there are two sides to the honesty coin. And Paul describes them both in Ephesians 4.25. The first one is to put off falsehood. Put off falsehood. Now, falsehood, it's, that's something that just comes naturally to us. You know, even after we decide to follow Jesus, we struggle to steer clear of falsehood. We want people to only know the good things about us. You know, We see this in dating relationships a lot. You, know, you obviously want to give off a good impression, uh, but sometimes that turns into hiding some things about yourself so the other person doesn't have to find out the real you. You're sort of putting on a front. And that creates problems in the future. So falsehood falsehood is the opposite of truth and honesty. It is deception. It's lying. It's the idea of you're sort of putting on a mask to hide your true self from being known. And the source of falsehood is Satan. Now this is the subpoint under here. Falsehood comes from Satan. Satan is the direct opposition to God. In John chapter 8, Jesus is responding to some Jewish leaders. Who were plotting to kill him. Uh, These Jewish leaders, they were putting on a facade, asking inquisitive questions. But underneath the surface and behind Jesus' back, they were actually plotting to kill Jesus. And so Jesus, he sees their questions for what they are, and he rebukes them in John 8 44. We read this You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So in this rebuke, Jesus gives us some real insight into who Satan is and where lying comes from. Uh, Jesus says that lying is Satan's native language. That he is the father of lies. In a lie, it has the intent of of deception. Deception is an intentional misleading. It's a craftiness or a trickery uh, intended to lead to an understanding that's not based on what is true, that's not based on what is reality. Now, in Satan's war against God and God's people, why did he choose deception as his primary tactic? Satan is a tremendously powerful being with with tremendous intellect. And he has a third of the angels that appear to be at his command, angels that turned away from God and chose to follow Satan. Why was his big weapon of choice to lie to us? Well, it's because of what a lie does. Your relationships, they're, they're built on trust. And lying, it breaks trust. And if lying continues, Because there's no trust in the relationship. So a lie breaks relationships. It separates people. And that is Satan's goal. His goal really is to separate us from God. And when we separate from God, we separate from each other. We see this in the beginning with Adam and Eve. Satan, he came in the form of a serpent and deceived Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3.1, it says this, Now the serpent, that's Satan, He was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So the lie that Satan was subtly saying was, God cannot be trusted. He didn't really tell you the whole truth. And then Satan, he goes on to plant the lie that God actually withheld powerful information from Adam and Eve, and that if they eat the fruit, they would actually become like God. So that's why God didn't want them to eat the fruit. That's the lie that Satan planted there. Now that falsehood, that that deception, it separated us from God in the beginning, and now Satan continues to use deception to separate us from each other and from God. So now that's what falsehood is and the source of falsehood. So now let's get a little more practical. How do we put off falsehood? Now, practically, I want to suggest two ways to put off falsehood. Now, confess your sins and then avoid what is false. The first one, confess your sins. Ad- admitting when we do wrong, it's a critical part of being open and honest. Now, You're not trying to cover up what's wrong about you. You freely admit it. You're honest about it. Now, James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. Your confession, confession is an act that Satan, he absolutely hates. He accuses us of wrong, and he wants us to just wallow in guilt, to wallow in self-pity, feeling bad about the wrong that we've done. That's where Satan wants us to stay. But when we feel guilt, if we simply say, "Yep, that was sin, that was wrong," and we confess that sin, that's exactly what Satan doesn't like. You know, It's like we just shined a light, a flashlight on our sin, and Satan doesn't want it to come into the light. When it's in the light, though, we can deal with it. If our sin is in darkness, we, we can't deal with it. It's, it's stuck there. So Satan, he tries to keep us in the dark. He tries to keep us scared to share with anyone what we're struggling with. But when we confess our sins, when we come out into the light, we are freed from what binds us in the darkness. Uh, We not only get a a big weight off of us, uh, but we get help from others as we confess our sins to them. We can get input, we can get accountability, we can get prayer. So this is one way to put off falsehood, to confess your sins to someone. Uh, Now, I I not only try and do this with others uh, personally, I, I try and do this with God regularly. I try and get regular time with God in the mornings, and as I do that, I ask him, God, just bring anything to mind that's not in line with you that I need to confess now, often, as I do that, uh, he brings to mind things that I need to confess and even things I need to go clear up with people, things I need to ask forgiveness for. So, that's uh, the, the first way to put off falsehood. The second way is to avoid what is false. Now, this is putting off falsehood more from a defensive standpoint. You know, you, you withhold from doing what is false or partaking in what is false. Now, this could be avoiding gossip. Uh, this could be uh, not watching movies or not listening to music that glorifies values that aren't from God. It can be a number of different, uh, different things. And Avoiding what is false, it can take many different forms. So I have a few questions to help you identify uh, maybe what things um, that are false that you could avoid. Uh, so here's a, a list of three questions. Is what you're saying and how you're saying it totally truthful? The next question, are you allowing something into your mind that glorifies what is not of God? And are you doing something false to get a reaction from someone? Now, that one's common with siblings. They'll do something to just kind of mess with their siblings. But it's actually they're, they're, they're portraying falsehood. Now, that first one, that's kind of what we normally think of. You know, is what you're saying and how you're saying it totally truthful. Basically, are you lying? Is there, is there some way that you're lying? And putting off falsehood is that... But what we don't think of is often these, these other two questions. You know, am I letting something just kind of hang out in my mind that's, that's not glorifying to God? Or am I per- portraying falsehood to get a laugh? Now, a couple years ago, uh, related to that last question, I ran across this verse uh, which challenged me and my family. Now, this is Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death, is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. That's pretty intense. I was like, well, I don't want to be a maniac flaming sh- shooting flaming arrows of death. Uh, so this, there's this word, deceive, and it's referring to joking. So is joking deception? Or according to this verse, yes. Now, I do want to clarify. I don't think this is referring to dad jokes or knock-knock jokes you know, we, we use the, the term jokes, joke in many, many different ways. It's referring to intentionally deceiving someone and then saying you were just joking about it. You know, you don't want to leave people wondering, Man, was that true? Are, are you messing with me? Was, was that reality? Is that how you really feel? You know, so not everything that is imaginary or not real is bad. You know, kids make up games with characters. You know, I was uh, playing with my daughter this week, and I was a horse. Well, we knew I wasn't really a horse. That's okay. You know, We enjoy watching movies that uh, we know aren't reality. But we know that the made-up game is made up. We know that a movie is not reality, and it's entertainment or it's creative. So it's more about our, our motivation. So the type of joke that is an intentional deception, it often portrays something as true that ends up not to be just to enjoy a reaction from others. So when we portray something as true that's not, it breaks trust. And a little side note here, this is actually very easy to do with kids. Uh, we'll make them think something, and we think it's kind of funny, uh, but they're just left really confused or even hurt. So if we joke or we, we prank, we our kids, over time, they learn, okay, mom and dad can't really be trusted here, or aunt and uncle, or grandparents. They can't really be trusted because they're joking with me or they're pranking me. So to put off falsehood, a few practical things, we need to confess our sins and then avoid what is false. This is the the first side of the honesty coin. The other side of the coin is to put on truth. In Ephesians 4.25, it says to speak truthfully to your neighbor. This is the the next part of the verse that we're working through. So words matter. Our relationships, they're shaped very much by the words that we choose to use. We don't uh, really think that much of the words that we use because we use them every day, Uh, but they have immense power. Little by little, every word that we choose, they impact our relationships with others, and those relationships, they, ob- they, they often shape the direction of our lives. So words, they, they initiate, they direct, they express feelings, they bring us close to people, or they push us far away from people. Words are the way that we create, the way that we build the future. And this is true because we are made in the image of God. We are made like Him, and He used words to initiate. So in the beginning, when God created the worlds, or when God created the world, words were what initiated each step of creation. A God he would say something, and then that thing was created. And so in the first chapter of Genesis, the words God said, they appear eight times, followed by something that he then created. That starts in verse three of Genesis chapter one. And God said, Let there be light. And it goes on to say, and light came. And then it goes through six more things and ends in chapter one with, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And then mankind was created. So just like God, our words are powerful. They have the power to build up or destroy, to create good or to bring corruption. Now, not only are words powerful, but they're also very telling. And when we speak, we speak out of what is inside of us. Uh, They show others what's inside. Luke 6, 45, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, have you ever said something that you wish you didn't say? You'll say it and you just wish that that came back and went back in and was never heard. I definitely have. And it's often those that are closest to us that that we say some pretty mean things. And what's a common thing to say? Oh, I I didn't mean to say that. Basically, count that as void. It was nothing, which, of course, doesn't really work that well. (laughs) Now, early on in uh, my marriage with my wife, Crystal, uh, we were having a discussion, uh, also known as an argument. And uh, later on, we were clearing up the relationship, uh, clearing up being harsh with each other, clearing up not taking the time to listen listen to each other. And my wife said something to me um, that was interesting. She said, you know, I want to say that I didn't mean to say those hurtful things to you, but I actually did mean to say those hurtful things to you. I actually wanted to hurt you, but that was wrong. Would you forgive me for that? So at first, I was a bit shocked. You know, I, I could have been offended, and I briefly was. Uh, we, we could have kind of started right back into their argument. And in one sense, I thought, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say, I don't really think that. I didn't mean to hurt you. But then I realized, you know, that's actually the most honest thing to say. You know, she was communicating that her words revealed what was in her heart and that what was in her heart was not good, that that was wrong, and that needed to be cleared up. So that was, that was really helpful even in our relationship early on to realize, okay, I did mean to say that, but that was wrong. <laughs> Would you forgive me for that? So speaking, it reveals what's in our hearts, you know, the they, words reveal what is true of us, what our motives, desires, feelings are. When Paul in Ephesians 4.25 says, Speak truthfully, he's actually meaning much more than just choose words that are truthful. He is saying, Make sure that what's inside of you is in line with God so that your words can be full of truth and your actions as well. So, so these three things, your, your heart, words, your action, they should all line up. You see this graph up here. When these line up, that's when speaking truthfully is occurring. Speaking truthfully occurs when our hearts, words, and actions line up. Now, when we speak words that don't line up with our actions or with what's in our hearts, we have a word for that, and that's hypocrite. The word hypocrite in the Bible, it's defined as an actor. Specifically as a person who professes beliefs and opinions that he or she does not hold in order to conceal his or her real feelings or motives. So this is someone that's just putting on a show. You know, their their actions don't line up with their words, or their their words don't line up with really what's what's in their hearts. So do you know someone like this? Are you someone like this? I know I am tempted to be like this. I'm tempted to do this. Often, it's the religious folks who end up being called the most hypocritical because they claim one thing, but they do a different thing. Now, I, for me, I, I often care too much what people think of me, and I'll say something that gives kind of a slightly different impression of who I am. I'll tend to exaggerate stories or act like something is a little bit bigger deal than it actually was. Now, when we do that, people see right through it. Maybe not the first time that we do that, but over time, if we continually represent someone on the outside who is different than what's on the inside, we will be found out eventually. Now, why do we do this? Why do we not want to be open and honest with people? You know, why, why do we not want to share with people what our struggles are, what our weaknesses are? Why do we want to present a fake or better version of ourselves? Well, there, there are a few reasons for me i would say that the top one is often because i fear people you know i fear judgment from others i fear that you know they'll, they'll treat me different or they'll look down on me and i don't i don't want that to happen so I'll, I'll kind of make myself look a better look a little bit better than them or try now often it's the cl- people that are closest to us that we have the hardest time being open and honest with because there's more at stake you know there's more risk of rejection and more devastating consequences if they do reject us. Now, a couple weeks ago, I had to be honest with my wife about something. I, I hadn't considered her in a situation, but it came off like I had. It was one of those, like, oh, yeah, I totally meant to do that kind of situations when I had completely forgotten. Now, I could have just kind of let that go on and ride the benefit of looking better than I actually was, and it was a little thing. So I, you know, I didn't really want to tell her because I was like, oh, that's little. I don't, I don't need to bother her with that. And I don't want to look a little worse than I actually am. Uh, so I knew she wouldn't like it, but I also knew in hiding the truth that would not help our relationship but hurt it in the long run. Also, I was prepping for this message. So that <laughs> helped me be open and honest. So I told her she didn't like it, but she was happy that I told her. Now, when we are open and honest with people, it tells them that we care enough uh, about them for them to know the truth about us. And that actually builds trust. You know, what, what we think will weaken our relationship, you know, admitting our sin, it actually strengthens it. Now, depending on what it is, it may weaken it for a time, but but if if you're not starting in reality, you can't actually build something that that lasts. So when we choose to follow Jesus, to accept his offer of forgiveness and salvation, it's like he turns the, the light on inside of us. And he helps us realize all the not-so-good stuff in our hearts. And we, we begin working to get rid of those things, to clean up what's in our hearts. And the first step, or a first step to, cleaning, to, to actually cleaning what's in there is realizing what's supposed to be there and what's not supposed to be there. But what is a sin when you're confessing sins? And that can only happen if we have a standard for what truth is. And that gets us to the, the sub-point here, is that truth, truth comes from God. He is the source of truth. That God, He made this world. He set up the reality that we live in. He is always truthful. So just as God is always truthful, we are called to walk in truth. that means that the person we present on the outside should reasonably match the person that we really are on the inside. And trust, it's a primary building block of relationships. And trust is built as we are truthful, as we put truth into practice. You know, a pattern of being truthful, being open and honest, it builds real, lasting friendships. And hiding who you are degrades trust. People should know the real you, not some perfect version of who you want to to portray. People are attracted to what is real. Now, a a note about Ephesians 4.25. It it says that we are to speak truthfully to your neighbor. So in order to speak truthfully, you have to be in physical proximity to people. This This is your neighbor. This is why it's so important to be in the presence of people. In a relationship, it can be built uh, for a time over distance, but it can't go on like that forever. You know, My wife and I in college, when we were dating, we, we had a summer where we sent letters to each other. It was very romantic, very very nice. But at a certain point, we couldn't get married like that. We had to be in physical proximity. So uh, this, is, this is a note in this verse that we need to be in physical proximity to people in order to be open and honest. You know, A lot can be hidden by distance, or behind a computer screen, it's harder to hide in person, which is actually a really good thing. You know, it's, it's for our good that people know us and we can be honest about who we are and what we struggle with, what our questions are. This is actually one of the reasons that we gather every week as the church, so we get to know each other. We get to know the real us. So practically, what can putting on truth look like? You know, if I want to be open and honest with people, should I declare all my deepest, darkest sins and secrets for the whole world? Well, no. So I I want to describe a spectrum, and we'll call this the openness spectrum. So some people are on this side of the spectrum. They are private people uh, who come across kind of like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. Uh, They keep to themselves. They don't share very much of who they are with people. They don't share their thoughts, their struggles, their questions, even basic details about their days. You know, they'll, they'll share some, but not much. You, know, you ask them how they are, and they'll say, oh, I'm just fine. So it, it's actually hard to have a real conversation with this person. Or at least you're kind of always guessing, are they being real? Do I know the, the real them? We're, we're a bit skeptical of these people. So we, we don't really quite trust them because it seems like we don't know the real them. Then there are people on the other extreme. Uh, they are too open. Uh, given the chance, they willingly share everything about their, their life with whoever is within earshot. Uh, they often are a bit more dramatic or a bit more emotional about what's happening in their life and potentially manipulative. Not only will they overshare about their lives, but they os- often... Uh, gossip about other people's lives as well you definitely know how these people feel and you wouldn't want to share anything with them for fear that the whole world and their grandma will hear about it so we know not to trust these people because we don't want to be the source of their gossip to which extreme do you tend towards these are extremes which extreme do you tend towards now personally i am more of a of a private person I'd rather kind of keep to myself. Um, So for me, I have to work really hard to be more open, to to think through, okay, if someone asks me, how am I doing today? How do I not just say, fine, and give them nothing? Now, if you're on the other side, if you're the the too open person, maybe you need to work on being quiet. And maybe you need to work on asking questions, drawing people out, as opposed to just trying to share everything about yourself. Try and draw, draw others out. Now, the ideal place is actually between these two extremes, in a place that is just right. This is called discretion. A discretion is open and honest, but it's not someone who goes around airing their dirty laundry to everyone. They seek to be real with people, but they have a good sense of what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. They're, they're willing to share openly with a few trusted people, but not with everyone. So discretion, it's, also, it's not to be confused with deception. Discretion, it wishes to speak appropriate truth in an appropriate manner. Deception wants to disguise the truth, to make others think the situation is different from what it really is. So living an open and honest life, it's something, it takes continual practice. Uh, So I actually want to end with a few next steps uh, that you could take as um, steps from this message. Uh, The first next step, is there an area of your life you need to be open and honest about? You know, as I've been talking this morning, has there been something that God just been like, hey, you need to share that with somebody. If so, find a trusted person. Share that with them. Uh, the next step, do you tend to be a private person or too open? Basically, where are you on that openness spectrum? And if you are a private person, be more open with people and share more about yourself. And if you are too open, maybe use discretion when sharing about yourself. Really really practice that. Then the third one is to read the Heart Attitudes book by Harold Bullock. Uh, this book goes through all the attitudes that, that we're going through in this series and, and a few more. These hard attitudes are something that we hold to here, here at this uh, church. There's a QR code there. There's also a QR code in the back of your guys' message notes. Uh, so reading that book, will just kind of fill out an understanding of, of what these attitudes are uh, that we're talking about. Now, would you pray with me? Well, Father, we, um, we thank you that you are uh, the source of truth, uh, that you set up the reality uh, that, that we live in. Lord, we know it, it's hard for us to walk completely in truth. Uh, Lord, and there, there may be people in this room who are, who are struggling to be open and honest about something, um, about their lives. Lord, I ask that you would um, give them a clear person to, um, to, to talk with, to share their, their struggles, their questions with. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you would you would help us to put off falsehood. Lord, help us to uh, confess our sins and help us to avoid uh, what is false. Lord, I also just ask that you would uh, help us to identify where we are in that that openness spectrum. Lord, if we are, uh, we tend to be kind of keep to ourselves. Lord, help us to be more open. Help us to, um, to to share with people what's going on in our lives. To share with people our struggles and our questions. And, uh, if we're on the on the too, too open side of that, Lord help us to uh, to to lean more into drawing people out. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you that um, that you are with us this morning, Lord, we ask that you would um, continue to speak to us as we as we sing our final song. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church Podcast.